Welcome back to another sci-fi episode where we are talking thinking, feeling, and behaving with money. How do you do it? How do you think it? How do you feel it? And so today we're going to be talking about mentally strong kids and what parents do to help develop mentally strong kids. Now, of course, this is a sci-fi class where psychology and finances collide. So I'll be addressing this article written by Leah Berenson, Secret Life of Mom, and I'll be adding a financial spin to it. When I was doing a little work on my uh, laptop, you know, of course, sometimes we'll have uh, the news feed that comes through when we first get online and you might see a, a headline that grabs your attention and that's exactly what happened here. So I clicked on this and thought, wow, what a great article to present from a financial perspective. So this was presented on April 11th, again, through The Secret Life of Mom. Leah Berenson, she talks about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and basically using that as an example of a pyramid for the mentally strong. And of course, Abraham Maslow is this famous, respected psychologist and philosopher who talked about basic needs and who also talked about self-actualization. But in in order to reach that level of self-actualization, we have to have our basic needs first, and then we kind of move further, and this is where this hierarchy of needs comes from, where we prioritize those basic needs and move further away from that as they're being met to self-actualization. We're not really going to be talking about financial self-actualization. That's really something that comes from a lot of different activities that you do financially to meet your goals. So probably when we're sitting in retirement and we are really enjoying the spoils and fruits of our labor, then I think we'll probably hit a moment of self-actualization financially. Like, oh, this is what Olivia was talking about. That feels pretty good. I sure see myself. I have a visual and, and you know, by the grace of God, hope I get there to one day where I'm retired and can actually enjoy that time. So back to parenting. So the reason I thought, wow, here's what I'm talking about. This is where her article, Leah Berenson, where she said uh, 10 different things that really got me excited about how we can help develop our kids financially as well. If you think about it, the Army promotes the MRT or Master Resiliency Training Program. And the, you'll hear the buzzwords, resiliency, mission ready, financial fitness, emotional fitness, mental fitness, relationship fitness, spiritual fitness, all those different things. So we're really turning, we're talking resiliency. And, and Leah Berenson, without knowing it, was really talking about resiliency as well because she, and maybe she did, maybe she just didn't want to use that buzzword, 
probably because it's overused these days and used only because I say people define it in different terms than its true intention, but it truly is mental strength. And what I really like about this is as a mom of a 14-year-old and a nine-year-old, not only do I want them to be mentally strong, but obviously want our kids to be physically, relationally, spiritually emotionally strong as well, right? And and I remember when I taught my own resiliency class a long time ago, I had parroted what another trainer had said, and, and it really stuck with me. You can think of a rubber band and how the rubber band will give and flex and move with different circumstances. Sometimes you need that rubber band to be small. Sometimes you need to really stretch that rubber band and have it go over something much larger, maybe a larger crisis or an issue or a problem. But what happens is we fail to take care of ourselves If you think of Aesop's fable, and I love this from The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, when you think of the golden goose, the the goose that lays the golden eggs, right? Sometimes we forget to nurture that golden goose. (laughs) And so sometimes we forget to nurture our financial goose. And sometimes we forget to nurture our children who are also going to be giving back and those types of things. So we need to help our kids to become like that rubber band that remains flexible and strong and doesn't snap so easily when it has to endure a larger problem. And one of the emotional word pictures that stuck with me is we've all reached into the drawer and pulled out a rubber band from time to time that was absolutely cracked and had just experienced a high degree of dry rot. And I know that's a horrible emotional word picture, but a lot of us, you know, once we're stretched just a little bit, we tend to snap financially. So we want to get to a point where we can teach our kids and ourselves. By the way, as I go through these things today, you'll be thinking of, wow, you know, I can apply this to myself as an adult as well. Because maybe your parents didn't give you this hierarchy of need or the basic needs of having your basic needs met where you, you're human develop within your human development, maybe your parents didn't provide those basic necessities for you. And I absolutely feel for you in that regard. But your past does not define you. And we can find people in our lives that can help us develop um, over time. Because after all, the developmental lifespan does not end in childhood. It continues throughout the lifespan. So without further ado, I know, Olivia, stop talking and get to the point. Here we go. So the, f- the first things that I'm going to talk about are those things that I can really bring and drive home to finances. So here's what we need to do with our children, according to Leah Berenson, is to discipline them. Okay, Olivia, that's a controversial debate. What does discipline mean? Uh, So let's talk about that for a second. When we discipline our children just by disciplining them, whether it's giving them a timeout, locking their phone for the rest of the day, taking away a digital device, whatever the case might be, this discipline, this level of action that we're taking with them makes them feel comforted. 
because now we are letting them know we got you. We are not, we got you as in, hey, we caught you doing something you shouldn't, but we got your back. We are disciplining you for your own good. And discipline should never be made to feel, make this child feel ashamed for making a mistake, but instead asking us to highlight their actions and talking out what better ways could they have handled that situation. So as Leah states, loving discipline teaches them self-awareness, empathy, and self-regulation. The same thing can be said about financial discipline. If we don't discipline our children, even outside of finances, y'all, but sometimes financial discipline with our children looks like a simple or sounds like a simple no. You may not. You may not have that extra $20 to go because you didn't clean your room like you said you would. Or no, you may not take the keys to the car because this is something that you have not yet completed. So that is a form of discipline. It sets boundaries with your kids and they learn. They get to learn to be upset with themselves that they didn't do something that they had control over. And it also helps them with self-regulation in the future because, hey, if I want the keys to the car, mom's going to expect me to have this done or dad's going to have me have, uh, expect me to have this done. We're just preparing them for their boss, <laughs> right? We want them to do well in their careers, which sets them up for good financial success if they're doing well in their job. Here's the next one. Teach them about personal responsibility. Now, as a therapist, what I've always shared with clients, parents, and myself, reminding myself from time to time, if you want your child to learn a skill, you must model that skill. If you want your children to learn personal responsibility and take responsibility for their own actions, we must model that same behavior. That's this internal locus of control that we have where we think to ourselves, I have control over what I do. An external locus of control is dangerous because then you are saying to yourself that um, my mom or my dad or my boss or my sibling or my friend had control over what I was doing and didn't make the best choice. No, that's not how life works. That's not how the human condition is. So we must model for them personal responsibility. And what does that look like in the financial world? Paying your bills, showing them how to pay bills even when you don't want to. Someone told me recently, and I was absolutely hurt by this comment. I was talking to someone on the phone about the, the merits of continuing with a certain level of therapy. And this person said, oh, they just want to get their money. It's like, oh my goodness, no. <laughs> so I did say my response was, well, 
this therapeutic practice is this individual's livelihood. So yeah, uh, they need appointments to make money. <laughs> so it's part of their salary. It's, it's part of their income. So on that regard, yes. But the way that you're viewing this person is evil because they collect an insurance payment because they're seeing you. That's a horrible outlook. And we never want to communicate that to our kids, that this professional just wants money. No, we need to remind ourselves that when we're angry with a certain professional or whatever, we still have to pay for a service that we contracted for. So that's taking personal responsibility. The next one is reframing negatives into positives. Our children, and I was just talking about this with a colleague, we all have a 10-year-old living within us. And that 10-year-old is hurt constantly. That 10-year-old gets scared constantly. And that 10-year-old within us, and maybe you have a 10-year-old at home developmentally where you're like, yeah, you know, they do. They're quite anxious a lot and they're quite scared a lot. Um, and there's a lot they need to learn, right? Sometimes we have to remind that 10-year-old that one mistake doesn't have to rule the rest of your life. So we get to reframe that negative into a positive where we get to encourage them to learn from others. Hey, you're not the only one who's made this mistake. You're not the only one who did this. There are other people who've learned from this as well. And you share that. And maybe it was you that had experienced that same mistake and you could provide the, the education for them. Hey, you know, I did this before and here's what I did as a result. Yeah. You know what? I felt badly for myself. I sulked for a little while and it's okay for you to feel sad and disappointed. But here's ultimately um, what I did. Doesn't mean you have to do the exact same way, but remind them of their own strengths. Because guess what? Our 10-year-olds that live within, live within us, it, it, it's very easy for us to feel jealous and competitive more than feeling gratitude and affection in our comparisons with others. So... We all have our own strengths and weaknesses, as Leah says, that help us contribute uniquely to society. So yeah, mistakes along the way, that's contributing uniquely to this family and it's contributing uniquely to the next step. As it comes to finances, they're going to make mistakes. They're going to be kids who get a car and get into a car accident. But instead of them living with such fear and shame and never wanting to drive again, let's learn from this mistake and let's move forward. Now, one of the things that I do with my, especially my 14 year old, cause you know, she plays volleyball and you know, she's a, she's a, a budding perfectionist like I was at that age. And so when she starts getting into this comparison field where she becomes lost in jealousy over what other people are doing or what they have that she doesn't have, then I engage her in a discussion in what her unique skills and strengths are. And then we transfer those same skills and strengths to her figuring out what she wants to do with this problem. So you're not 
problem solving for your child. You're allowing them to solve the problem. And that goes hand in hand with the next tip. Allow them to feel uncomfortable. That's such a good one. I need to say that one again. Allow your kids to feel uncomfortable. I know it doesn't sit well with a lot of us to allow our kids to feel sad or disappointed, but it is necessary for their personal growth, as Leah says. And it also is a good reminder that they can't always get what they want. And when, just as the last tip I told you, it's good for them to be able to problem solve on their own. And Leah highlights that as well. It teaches them self-confidence and self-sufficiency. And these are the very tenets of psychotherapy. When I had clients or even have clients in for financial therapy, I don't meet them with a treatment plan ready for them to go. Here's what I think you need to do before I even meet you, before I even hear what's going on. No, we have to take the time to hear what's going on. What's the unique situation? And that I allow them to build their treatment plan. What are the things that you think you need to do to help fix this issue? And that is the very fabric of psychotherapy where you allow the client to make their own self-determined choices, which if they fail, then they only get to blame themselves. But because of that, then they feel more empowered and confident. I can still do something different. And if they succeed, then man, the levels of confidence that just skyrocket and go through the roof those are very helpful in child development. Before I move on from that last tip, allowing them to feel uncomfortable, parents, this also means allowing your kids to feel the squeeze financially. If they don't have enough money to pay their car note, if they don't have enough money to pay their cell phone bill, if they don't have enough money to pay their car insurance, let them feel what it feels like to miss a payment. Let them feel the squeeze. They are not going to have poor credit by missing one payment. Let them learn. Teach them what they must do to make up that payment. Maybe even they have to get a second job or take more hours on at their current job or change their budget or spend plan, <laughs> prioritize. That is the best teacher. Discomfort is the best teacher. So next tip, teach them gratitude. Helping them reflect on what is going well in their lives. And again, this is something that you can model for your children, constantly talking about those things that you're thankful for. And when you do that in a financial sense, oh my goodness, everything that I have is everything that I want. Instead of thinking that everything I don't have <laughs> is everything that I want. It's a very different place to be in. So here's the next tip. 
frequent and open communication. Allow them to have financial discussions with you and allow them to spend their money initially the way they want to spend their money. If you think, gosh, if they're spending their $25 on chore money all on candy, let them do it. They'll have a bellyache. They'll find out that, boy, I don't think I want to do that next time. And when we go out the next time and they don't have the power to spend because they spent all their money on candy, they get to feel the squeeze. Oh, man, if only I hadn't spent my money on all that candy, which was something that was temporary and did not outlive the desires of my heart this month. (laughs) All right, here's the next one. Encourage character development. And as Leah states, it's a strong moral compass, teaching them to be honest. It's the same with paying your bills, paying your bills, anything that you have signed the dotted line for, you have made a commitment to pay that bill. That is character. That is building that moral compass that could help them build credit because that's after all what they're looking for in a credit score is can I trust your character with this next loan? So here's the last one I'll leave you with. Remember that your children are still learning. And as Leah says, they only have a small portion of the same information that we have, and they must learn through repetition. And here's what I have to say on that same sentence. Their brains will not be fully developed until they're 25. That is a scientific fact. So we cannot expect our children to have all the knowledge that we have and to make decisions based on that knowledge. We must be there to help guide them, not just financially, but mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, all these domains. I hope this has been helpful to you parents. And remember, when it comes to parenting, don't beat yourself up too much. Providing those basics for your kids, that can be enough. Until next time, enjoy your parenting.